0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Brothers Creed Podcast, where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And today we have an episode where we're
1: talking about Freemasonry. We have a cousin whose name is Bryce Wade. He's uh, been in the Masons since 2006, the Freemasons. Uh, He's been a Master Mason. He has achieved the rank of Master Mason within the Masons. And we talk about how to get in, what it's like, what they do, what the lodges are, are about, and uh, how, what are some of the things that you learn. And he, he, he really dives into uh, all the stuff that uh, he's gone through with the Masons and kind of how it's affected his life as well. And so it's an interesting conversation. We don't dive too deep into the details, but he gives us a good overview of Freemasonry. Uh, he's also, you know, a, he's been in the Army for 13 years, he's a, a major in the Army. And so he's a great guy. We're thankful to have him on. And so let's go ahead and dive into this conversation.
0: All right, let's do it.
1: Spartans! What is your profession?
2: Any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king.
0: What I do have are a very particular set of skills skills
2: that make me a nightmare. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change. Let us all unite! Let us fight for a new world, a decent world.
0: All right, today we have a special guest with us, Bryce Wade. Thank you, Bryce, for coming on the podcast today with
2: us. No problem. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, no problem. So so Bryce is, is actually our cousin. Um, so we've known each other for a couple of years. And our eldest cousin. Our eldest cousin. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, so Bryce has been in the in the military in the army for thirteen years. He's a major in the army. Um, he's also a, a master mason. He's been in the Mace, He's been a mason since two thousand six. And today we're going to kind of dive into uh, different aspects of of your life, Bryce. You're a really interesting guy. Every time we get together, we've always got stories and interesting conversations. So we, we thought we'd have you on and and, and have a good talk.
1: Yeah. Th- th- right. Thanks for most. Thanks for thanks for jumping on. I Appreciate your willingness to speak with us about the Masons and et cetera.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: So I guess one of the first things we want to talk about is specifically, you know, the the Masons. Um, as you know, I, I guess the the audience probably doesn't know, but as we know, our our grandpa is a Mason, and uh, I'm sure that that was majorly influential on you. Uh, and one of the reasons why you decided to jump in. And so I've, that's something something that I've thought about quite a bit and done some research on. But I want to hear how you uh, got started or what kind of got you interested in the Masons and what uh, that process was like to get onboarded.
2: Okay. So, uh, of course, Grandpa Hardy was a big influence in this. Uh, growing up, he was uh, always taking me to... You know look at the lodges when they weren't in communication those types of things and introducing me to it uh when i became an age to where i could uh petition a lodge i started doing a little research because i didn't want to join something that i didn't that i wasn't comfortable with that i didn't understand what i was doing uh, so i did a lot of research um and not so much research to prove it false or to prove it bad, but research to understand where they were coming from. Um, and a lot of it was to do with who has been a Mason, because really, when you're looking at joining an organization, you want to know who those people are that are that are representatives of that organization. And so that was a big point in my life was looking at those founding fathers who were Masons, uh, looking at those influential people in history that were masons and and the good men who have uh, done good things in the world so that was a big influence and and really going back to also as as we are you know members of the church of jesus christ of Latter-day saints those early members of the church that were masons that made a big influence and impact in the church so those are really big things uh, that contributed to my interest
0: I was going to say, uh, can you share maybe some of those uh, founding fathers that um, that were that were Masons? That maybe some of yeah, your, so, your favorite ones.
2: So uh, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock, are the the big ones that you know, of course, signers of the Declaration of Independence. Um, in fact, where I live here in Virginia, in Fredericksburg, about five miles from my house, is where George Washington was raised as a master mason in Fredericksburg Lodge. Uh so yeah, those were some some big influences right there.
1: Yeah, those are some uh, uh especially as an American, you know, we revered these guys and they they put their lives and in, in their sacred honor at risk uh for our country. And that's exactly that, right. We appreciate that so much. And so uh to look up to them, as I think I look up to them and in many ways, and so I can see how that would be a, a, a great reason to yeah. be interested Four, in this Fourteen type of,
2: thing. of the Fourteen of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Masons. Most of the Sons of Liberty that participated in the Boston Tea Party were Masons. In fact, they met um, at the tavern where the Lodge met uh, to organize the Boston Tea Party. So those types of things are very influential.
1: So why do you think that is? Why were all these guys, why is it that was it these guys were just ones to be involved in this type of stuff, or was it just the upper echelon of folks were Masons? Or why is it that these, these key Masons were involved with this revolution well, in our country?
2: You know, Freemasonry teaches us to be good citizens, but it also has a tradition of being a free and, and independent people. So if you look back to history, we get our name Freemasons from the Dark Ages. These were the apprentices and skilled craftsmen that were allowed to roam throughout Europe that weren't um, held to the land. They weren't owned by anybody and they could work for whoever they wanted to work for. So they would go from kingdom to kingdom or lordship to lordship and they would build these cathedrals and castles and and whatever. And so they were free people. So they were paid accordingly.
0: So it's not, uh, it's not strictly like an American thing. I mean, it, it it goes a lot of these American, maybe historical Patriots were were members or were Freemasons, but, um, is it something that's a, is it a worldwide organization?
2: It is. It's a worldwide organization. Um, but mainly uh, originating, well, originating in Europe, and then uh, really the modern Freemasonry as we know it coming out of Great, out of England, in the 1600s, um, and then coming over to the New World.
0: Which makes sense as 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 we did, as you know, as Americans did to start off with, coming from that area, that it would be part of our our culture.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. I was recently walking around downtown Charleston and I saw a plaque just on the side of the, on the side of the road and it said, you know, the this on this place was the initiation of the Scottish Rite, you know, back in like the way, you know, 1700s or something. It's like, oh, I didn't know that it, from what the plaque read, it made it seem like this is where the Scottish Rite actually started was at this point in Charleston, which is a pretty cool history. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's one. So the
2: Scottish Rite and the York Rite. I'm, I am not in the Scottish Rite or the York Rite. Okay. Um, I have not gone and done those the necessary steps to become a part of those. Okay. Um, but they are more modern degrees that have been appendages that are appendages of the three basic degrees that make a mason. Um, I am just as much a mason as a thirty-second. Scottish Rite Mason. Okay. Um, so they're just additional degrees.
1: So maybe let's, let's talk about that since you brought that up. What, what are those three basic uh, positions you talked about?
2: So you have uh, what's called an entered apprentice. Basically, you uh, have petitioned the lodge. The lodge has accepted you. So one interesting term in history, I know y'all have heard uh, the term blackballed. You've been blackballed. So that comes from the lodge. So in the lodge, we vote, and we have a system where we drop either a black ball or a, squ- a white square into the ballot box. So when somebody petitions the lodge, if you receive one black ball, you can't join. Um, so that's the term you've been blackballed. But anyway, so the entered apprentice is the first degree where you learn the the, the basics. Um, then you are... Um, Advance to the fellow craft degree after you've proven proficient in the entered apprentice. So remember, most all of the degrees in masonry are, uh, memorized. They're not written down They're from mouth to ear and ear to mouth. So these things have been passed down for hundreds of years. Uh, and you could really say a lot of it's been passed down for thousands of years because we trace it all the way back to King. The tradition traces all the way back to the building of King Solomon's temple. Um, so, after you've uh, advanced to a fellow craft and you've proved proficient, then you are raised as a master mason, which is the third degree. That's the degree George Washington held. That's the degree Benjamin Franklin held. Um, most masons, what they call Blue Lodge masons, um, are, the third, are the third degree.
1: Hmm. So, then it sounds like... I mean, that seems pretty simple, uh, just the three different steps. But uh, from my understanding, there's lots of different complexity around other avenues or other types of branches into masonry. You can go off into the Shriners, which is like the the little red hats uh, that people right, may know from the they're movies.
2: A, they're, in a, they're actually an appendage of the Scottish Rite. So in order to be a Shriner, you have to be a Scottish Rite. Okay. Uh, Grandpa is in the York Rite. Um, so there's, and then there's, there's the grotto, there's, uh, there's all kinds of different auxiliaries and appendages to those rights. Hmm.
0: And I, I guess for the, for the layman listening to it, those are just like we talked about the Shriners or whatever else that that's just groups of groups of people that meet together. I mean, obviously they have a, a, a common right. goal, they have but a it's a common purpose. Yeah.
2: I mean, like, like the Shriners, they have the children's hospitals, uh, those types of charitable things they do. Each organization has their own focus on. So, whatever you feel passionate about, you go find that organization within the in, within Masonry, and that's where you tend to end up and spend most of your time and money. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a certain?
0: You know, and maybe you kind of being having a military background as well. Is there a certain camaraderie that comes with becoming a mason, and maybe within uh, within your own lodge? But maybe even just like a greater camaraderie with other people. I mean, there's there's probably thousands of lodges around the United States, and and even you know, greater the world.
2: How is that? How is the camaraderie? So. Whenever I meet a brother Mason, whether it be in the lodge or outside of the lodge, there's an instant connection there. I know what he's pledged or obligated, what oath he's taken. Um, I know what standards he is about, you know, is living by or should be living by as being a Mason. So there's already a connection there. I know that I could ask him because in Masonry we we um, give an oath to support other brother masons in their uh worthy endeavors and so i know if i need his help he'll be there for me and vice versa he knows he can call on me if he needs help Uh, and we're obligated to assist them as long as it doesn't uh financially burden my family right so um yes there is a camaraderie there and the sad part about it is, is that Freemasonry is one of the organizations that is suffering right now because people, many people don't value anything other than themselves. Um, we see a lot of churches declining, civil, civic organizations, um, and, and Freemasonry is one of this, the oldest fraternal organization in the world, and it's dying because no, none of the young people are um, interested. Um, and you have to remember that back in the, the, the old times, men were involved in their church and in masonry, and that was their social gatherings. That was what they did. They didn't watch TV at home every night. They went to lodge meeting, you know, and they, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how they networked. That's how they build relationships in the community is, is at the lodge.
0: Has, uh, our, lodges typically involved in the, in the community. Like you said that, you know, the Shriners have, uh, the, the child, children hospitals and everything's like that, or are, are Masonic lodges usually, um, kind of well-known and supporting the community or what are some different things that they do?
2: They are, um, back when the lodges were, the grand lodges of the States were wealthy because they had a lot of members. Um, they most of the states ran orphanages Uh, many of those orphanages have closed over the years Um, but the masons still do a lot of worthy things a lot of the lodges have become involved in the dyslexia um i don't know what you would call it like schooling where like a lot of the lodges will hold dyslexia classes and stuff and buy the materials for it and that types of things. so they do they look for opportunities to serve in the community and it, it's supposed to. The one good thing about the lodge is it builds good members of the community that are supposed to be involved in those um, in those public offices that'll make a difference, right? But we're not. Excuse me. We're not seeing as much now as we used to. Yeah. Yeah, there's been
1: a big decline in a lot of those things a lot of those kinds of things, younger generation, you know, whether you say that, you know, I can see that in some sense, yeah, that maybe people are more selfish, but I think in other sense, people are kind of want to back off of the institutions uh, that they might feel like are telling them what to do. Um, I I think there's a variety of factors at play, but one of the questions I had for you is how I know that you have to petition to be a Mason uh, and that they have to decide whether or not to let you in or not. Uh, how how does that work? How does that process work? Um, do they come to you or do you just go up to any old Mason in the community and say, Hey, I want to be a Mason. And then they interview you. I know there's so an interview I, process I, and yeah.
2: Yeah. So as a Mason, I cannot ask you to be a Mason. I can't ask you to join the lodge. I can invite you to come to lodge functions, but I cannot specifically come out and say, will you join the lodge? Um, that's against my oath. So you have to ask me to join the lodge. Then I give you a petition. Um, There are um, things that you have to believe. So you have to believe in the immortality of the soul, the the resurrection. And uh, you have to believe that there is a supreme being. And you state that you believe those things on the petition. The petition goes, well, the petition goes before the lodge. They uh, form a committee. The committee then goes and investigates you, your character and the community. Um, and then they will, if you're married, they'll have to. they talk it over with your wife um, and they'll come meet with you. And then the committee will come back to the lodge with their findings of, of the investigation and then they'll vote. And if the vote is affirmative, then... Uh, you will be set up for the first degree.
1: Very good. How many so people? There's got to be
2: somebody mm-hmm. in the lodge that knows you.
1: Okay. How many? Pe- what if? What if you had, know somebody in a different lodge? Can they? Rec- can you petition for someone from a different lodge? Like, for example, let's just in a, in this give yeah. give an example. Like, I don't. Yeah, know anybody in this area who's a Mason? Let's say I really want to join the Masons, and I go talk to you and say, "Hey, can I join the Masons?" Would that be sufficient for me asking you or do I have to ask somebody here in this area?
2: Well, so what uh, what could happen is, is I could or you could ask me and then I could find out what lodge is in your area and contact the secretary of that lodge and say, hey, a family member of mine wants to join the lodge. He lives in your area. Um, Would you petition him? Huh. And uh, and then they, we'd go from there.
0: I, I would I would suspect that maybe you know people in the lodge. There's probably some people that would say, "Yeah, give me his name. I'll give him a call, and we'll go out to lunch or something like that." You know, and just kind of form some sort of relationship. Because Absolutely. I would suspect that the lodges, you know, want new members, <laughs> and so they would they would pursue someone that shows any kind of interest, almost like a lead that they would say, "Yeah, you know, let's 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 go talk about it," or or. You know they wouldn't say, "You know have them come down or whatever else,
2: right. yeah, and you know the the lodge is there to make good men better. that that's our that's our whole, whole purpose. Um, we're not there to take your religious beliefs away from you. We're there to add upon the light and knowledge that has been garnered through Freemasonry over the thousands of years. Um, and to to make you a good, you know, make you a better man than you currently are, through through the the symbolism and rites in Freemasonry, because the masonry the Masons are encouraged to uh, attend their churches regularly or whatever worship forms of worship that they are involved in, so. It's not not meant to take the place of your religious worship.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. One of, that kind of leads in one of the questions that I had. I understand that Masons, uh, you know, in, in regards to, you know, uh, religious belief. I mean, they are very interested in, in expanding that knowledge, reading some of the different uh, Apocrypha or uh, some of the different scriptures that are out there uh, and just trying to understand that, understand, expand their understanding of God and the nature of God. Uh, one of the questions for you is kind of what you had mentioned just a minute ago about uh, how Mason's has made you a better man and bringing light and knowledge into your life. Can you maybe give maybe one or two examples of, of how you feel like you've grown or benefited uh, as a man from some of the things that you've learned in masonry but you feel like you maybe wouldn't have gotten somewhere else
2: yeah so a lot of the relationships or um, men that i have met in freemasonry has uh, given me good examples of of people to pattern my life after um i'm not as active as i used to be Uh, that's because of life right now is pretty hectic in my um, vocation, but, uh, years ago I was really active and, uh, there were really good men that I learned a lot from. I mean, there was men in their eighties, early nineties that had memories like you wouldn't believe. I mean, because they had been doing this for so many years, and and this is a lot to, rem- I mean, the, the degrees are a lot to remember, and it has to be word perfect, you know, so they could, um, you know, talk for, I mean, they could just spout off the degrees without missing a beat, and, you know, I can't remember what I did yesterday, so <laughs> I could see where masonry kept their minds young, because it kept them um, always exercising their you know intellect and and, and and being able to remember all those things um, And then just the symbolism of masonry um, helps you remember like if, if you take some of the symbols um, the the uh, compass is supposed to uh, teach us, self constraint we're supposed to circumscribe our you know our actions and uh, so it's supposed to keep us in self con- self um self-control basically is what it teaches us uh you look at the level it, it teaches us that we are equal with our brother masons no matter what your status is in life your um vocation how much money you have in the lodge are all equal um, and you all are on the level, um, and and the square teaches us to square our actions mm-hmm. with all mankind. So th- those types of things, you know, I look at, I look at those symbols, and they remind me of, of what they stand for in masonry.
1: That's great. I love that. Thank you for taking us through those uh, those symbols that many probably know well. Uh, if you just go walk around D.C. or look at a map, you can see a lot of those symbols <laughs> baked into That's the D.C. Exactly roads.
0: Right. <laughs> so w- w- would you say, um, I-, I know you said that, uh, well, let's let's give an example of, of your lodge. You, you said that obviously with kids and vocation and life and everything else, there's, there's, there's a time and a place for many things, uh, or time and a season, I'll say. Um, but whenever you go to lodge meetings, are they more, uh, I don't know, uh, let's say business related or lodge business related, or are they more to go and and to, I don't want to say hang out, but to uh, communicate and to talk and to conversate with people?
2: What does that typically look like? So typically on a, on a regular lodge night, usually most lodges have what they call communication, which is when they meet. And it's usually once or twice a month. Uh, you go to the lodge They will open lodge. They will conduct business. They usually have some sort of little presentation about masonry that uh, one of the Masons will give, or they'll give um, a class on some form or some part of masonry. And that usually takes 45 minutes to an hour for lodge meeting. Um, Once lodge business is closed, uh, most lodges have refreshments afterwards, whether it be a meal or light refreshments or whatever. And most of the men, st- you know, they stay around and they they talk for an hour, forty-five minutes to an hour. So usually, when you go to lodge meeting, you can plan on being there for about two hours, and it's a good time.
0: Are you are you on the younger side of the members of your lodge? <laughs>
2: I'm kind of in the middle now. <laughs> I just hit forty, so. Um, so there are some guys you know, that are younger. <laughs> yeah, there are actually uh, a few guys that are younger. You know, I, I mean, I joined when I was twenty-five. That's when I
1: joined the lodge. Are the lodges geographically? You're assigned to one in a certain geography, or can you choose to go to whichever one around town you want to go to?
2: No, you can choose whichever one you want. You know, it's just how far how far do you you want to drive? That's exactly right. Yeah, and and lodges are different. So some lodges, like um, if you go up here to Arlington, Virginia, their lodge is more formal when they meet, so they dress up. um, You know, at least white shirt and tie or some sort of you know suit and tie Mm -hmm. um some of them dress up in you know bow tie uh and then the you can go to old country lodge where they're wearing overall you know overalls (laughs) and flannel shirt yeah so it just depends on what what you want what you're comfortable with interesting
1: yeah i went to when i was in living in salt lake city i went to the there's a big lodge up on the hill uh, there in Salt Lake City that looks like looks like a Capitol building. You know, it mm-hmm. looks like a giant government building. It's got these giant you know columns out front, and uh, they had like an open day or whatever. Yeah, I've
2: been there. Grandpa took me there when I was about thirteen.
1: Oh, Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I went in there, and it was kind of an open day there was a bunch of masons that were in there. You could come and chat with folks. And so I went, uh, and they had different rooms where different. It, it, Lodges would come meet. I mean, it wasn't just one building for that for one lodge. It was like multiple different lodges would come and meet. They have their different ceremony rooms and stuff, and they walked us through and gave us a tour. And I was able to chat with some of the guys there. It was very interesting and very beautiful building as well.
2: You know, Brigham Young actually wanted to uh, charter the lodge a uh, lodge in Utah when they when they uh, left and uh, went to Utah, and they couldn't get a charter from the Grand Lodge of England and none of the States would give him a charter. So they, um, he ended up not pursuing it, but yeah, if you, if you look at any photograph, of Brigham Young, he will always have a square and compass on his somewhere on his lapel tie somewhere.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Visible. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. How many How many guys typically, does are, are, it just depend on the lodge, or how many guys show up? Or, I mean, is this like talk, we're talking like 20 to 30 guys or talking like maybe 10, 15? Uh,
2: well, it, again, it depends on the lodge. You know, some lodges are struggling to stay open, so they they need a lot of times they have just enough to form a quorum to open the lodge, uh-huh. which is, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it's seven seven men. Hmm. uh and i I may be wrong, plus or minus one or two, but um yeah, some of them are struggling, some yeah. lodges will have fifty, you know hmm. you just never know uh the lodge that that Grandpa used to go to in um Bossier city is is doing right pretty well they they have lots of members, and their lodges is, is booming hmm. so
0: would you attribute that to? You know, there being a, a military base close by. I, I mean, is there not that it's? I mean, you know, one for one, obviously. But do you, do you see where there's an increase in, in military members, or you know, maybe not specifically officers, but that there's an increase in in the lodge members as well?
2: Um, I think a lot of a lot of the ones in Bozeman City, a lot of them I think are law enforcement. Uh, but there's probably a good portion of them that are military. Uh, the masonry isn't as affluent in the military as it used to be used to the it was uh pretty big in the military uh, but now it's not as you, you don't see as many anymore
0: hmm. I, I remember grandpa telling some stories about when he was deployed overseas and and uh you know was looking for housing and and ended up you know connecting with some you know couldn't find any housing and they said no there's no way you can stay at this place but then ended up hooking up with a guy you know, that, that was a Mason. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll help, help take care of you. You know, I'll take care of your family, be at this place at this time and we'll get you in. And and it was kind of like that thing that you said that as long as you, know, you you help a brother out, it's you'll, as long as it's not going to be super financially draining or whatever else that is. And, and I've always kind of admired that, that even, you know, potentially across the world, you could find somebody that will lend a helping hand or that you could be that helping hand for
2: somebody. That's exactly right. You've got a friend. I mean, there's many accounts during the war between the States where Masons on opposite sides assisted one another. Um, there was instances where skirmishes were stopped and both sides would give Masonic rights to bury the dead. Um, so, hmm. Yeah, very
1: interesting. Well, I, did you ever hear any stories about that in World War Two? Uh,
2: uh, I think there probably are. I haven't read a lot of that, but there probably were.
1: We, we, Nathan did a uh, <clears throat> an episode on uh, World War One and <clears throat> in the trenches on you know, Christmas, you know, and how these guys were singing back and forth to each other, and in some cases they would have these unofficial ceasefires, and. Really, they were just shooting over each other's heads the whole time, anyway. And then, I mean, it was such a stalemate that literally nobody was dying on either sides because neither one of them wanted to shoot each other. And so they were almost within hearing distance. They were within hearing distance of each other, so they were talking all the time and stuff. So, yeah, I imagine there was you know some camaraderie there, also you know among the masons as well.
2: Yeah, probably. I would imagine so. Uh,
1: So. I think the Masons are, are are very interesting. One of the questions I had is that there's a lot of folks out there, you know, that see the Masons as the Illuminati or the puppet masters of the world. You know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that go around that secret society, secret society type of a thing. As a as a Mason, have you ever run up against, you know? someone who who's had that kind of a a mentality and how would you respond to maybe someone who's, who's asking these questions in a genuine manner?
2: Well, first off, people fear what they don't understand. Um, and a lot of people look for anything they can to explain the circumstances they're in. And the, and Freemasonry is one of those easy targets to pin the problem on. Uh Um, and it's been around for so long that it's been very influential in history. The, let me, well, the members of Freemasonry had been very influential in history. So they look at that and they say, well, that must be some conspiracy. Um, but that's not the case. Um, Freemasonry does not control anything, um, You know, we are a group of men who are striving to be better and we belong to the oldest fraternal organization in the history of the world. Um, At least it still exists today. Um, Yeah, so, I mean...
1: And and it's open to anybody. Anybody can join. Any man can join uh, if they want to. So, I mean, how how secret of a society is it if anybody can just... Call up and say, hey, I'd like to join.
2: <laughs> right. And and it's, and it's not that it's secret. It's just that we don't cast our pearls before swine, if yeah. I can put it like that. Mm-hmm. If you don't receive the uh, tenets of Freemasonry in the manner they're supposed to be received, you will not understand. So the degrees are set up in a way that as you go through them, they build upon each other and you develop a better understanding. So if you if you receive those teachings in any other context, they're not going to have the same impact or make as much sense as if you receive them in the way they're intended. So we hold those things secret um, yeah. because they're important to us.
0: And maybe not so much secret, just not public.
2: <laughs> That's but yeah. But, but so, if you want to join, you are more than welcome to join, and we will we will give you the light and knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting too because with the I don't know the advent of the internet, it's just kind of like you could probably find any information that you wanted to online. Um, not that I am, uh, you know giving you know telling people to go do that but like you said i mean you did your research whenever you got into it to not to prove it wrong or right or whatever else but just to to be informed and i don't know going into it knowing that i want to do this because i want to become a better person i think that's extremely admirable and i think you know not not the few masons that i that i have known in my life mostly family a couple not uh have been great people And have been people that I would trust and that I do respect. And so uh you know, I don't know if that that counts for anything.
2: Not not only that, but tradition. You know, it's a it's a tradition that's been passed down for all these hundreds of years from one man to another, by word of mouth, not written down. And it, it it's just it's amazing to me. I feel like I'm a part of history when I go and perform degrees. I feel like I am connected to those people of long ago because I am participating in the same things that they participated in, you know.
0: So would you encourage would you encourage your sons to when they become of age to potentially pursue the path as well?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, this is Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it, it gives you a a different way of, or a different perspective of looking at the world.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think there's a, from what I've heard, you know, you, you speak today, here today. And then from my other experiences, there's a lot of uh, camaraderie camaraderie to be had within the Masons. Also a lot of uh, additional learnings that uh, you might not know. And, uh, they have some different ceremonies that that walk you through a unique in a unique way um, some different principles and life values that the way that they do it uh, really instills those values in you. Uh, so I, I think that that's very noble uh, and it's pretty cool. So uh, how often do you? I mean, how often do you go? Is this like a? I mean. Do you go like once a month? I mean, let's just say full activity as a Mason is this once a month or twice a month?
2: Once a month. Once a month. Okay. Or whenever. So whenever communication is. So if your lodge meets once a month or twice a month. It's you know, whenever the lodge is open.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool.
2: And then. Yeah, and and if you're really involved, I mean, there's leadership positions that you can advance through. Um, you know, all way up in being the master of the lodge and and then also in each state, there's the you know the Grand Lodge, which governs the whole state. and so you can be the grand master of the state or or you know the Grand Lodge. So there's opportunities there to be a leader as well and a teacher. So the more you learn, the more you can impart to others.
0: Yeah, I, I I, liked what, um, you know, I I think there's a lot of people out there that don't, including me, right, that don't have tons of information on it or, or that have maybe looked into it. I think there's a lot of people out there that just don't, have never even heard of the Masons before. And one thing that you had said is is we were talking about that it's kind of a, I don't want to say a dying breed, but it's something that's phasing out a little bit or it's not as popular as it once was. And, and what was... What is that attributed to? And potentially, people are thinking about yeah themselves more. I think um, people in general uh, don't like responsibility. Uh, they don't like to be held accountable for things. And if you have a, you know, if you're if you're committing to do something, even if it's just once a month, or now I have to put forth extra effort to uh, you know, memorize these uh, these different degrees or I have to uh, now that you know, if I become a Shriner, then I'm going to be having to do charity events or whatever else. It's just, I think people shy away from responsibility in general, I unless it's right. self-serving.
2: Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work going through the degrees. It took me hours and hours and hours of sitting with another Mason and him, you know, telling me the lines and me repeating them over and over again I, so that I could remember them, and then go and stand before the lodge and, you know, regurgitate everything that I learned, word perfect. And you can't you know, write any, it, you
1: can't write anything down. You can't go home and no. write, write anything down.
2: No, you. That's part of. That's part of your oath: is you are not to reveal the, you know, anything. Anything that's not written down, you're not to reveal it. Um, so, other than it being in the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, technically, yeah. if you went home and you had your own journal and you scratched down the things and you memorized it, memorized it, memorized it, then you crinkle up to a million pieces and then you burnt it with, you know, into just ashes. <laughs> you're not revealing no. it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're not supposed to write anything. <laughs> okay okay it doesn't matter if it's even for your own use <laughs>
0: even if it's destroyed afterwards
2: that's exactly right it, that and be no trace
0: that's one thing that you know one of the reasons why Jared and I did this podcast and kind of started it was because we wanted to number one do something we wanted to uh, do something personally for ourselves but also involve uh, other people and listeners and we've been able to first off talk with Lots of people and interview people and and just build amazing relationships as well as our own personal you know brotherly camaraderie, family camaraderie, right. um and and we've we've been able to research and to learn tons of of amazing things and I think that that like we were talking about people don't want to be held accountable they don't want to to work towards things and, and that's something that for us personally building that personal creed is sometimes it takes. Uh, Well, first off, it takes time and it takes effort. It's not just gonna. It's not just gonna come. It's not just gonna happen. It's gonna. If I want to get better at this, then I gotta learn it. I gotta apply it. I gotta study it and and make it a part of who Mm -hmm. I am. And so I kind of felt like that was, uh, I guess, comparable to the Masons on how you're you're building your own personal self.
2: Yeah, and and a lot of people now too, they don't have. They don't have the integrity and the self-dignity um, that masonry requires. Um, just as we were just talking about, you know, writing writing the, the things that we learn in masonry down for your own personal use. Yeah. You take an oath not to do that. Okay, now, yeah. integrity, Yeah. right? Integrity says, even when nobody's looking. I'm going to do what I pledged, um, what I took an oath, you know, not to do. So, you know, I think a lot of people shy, like you say, shy away from those things that make them, that hold them accountable, whether it be um, accountable to themselves or accountable to others. And a lot of masonry is you learn these things and you are self-accountable to what you've obligated yourself to. A
0: question that I had, and this is kind of going back to where you were talking about, whenever you're petitioning to become a member of the lodge, and you, you, the, the lodge kind of votes on your on your membership, right? And we talked about being blackballed. Mm-mm-mm. What right. would what would cause somebody, some someone, to receive a, a blackball in in a petition? I mean, have you have you ever seen that, or, or what? Would... I
2: have never seen it. Um, I've heard about it, but I've never seen it done. Um, you know, they go out in the community and they they talk to people. They talk to you know members of your family. They they go you know they they go and talk to people in the community. They they try and find out what they can about your character. And if they find something that's out of sorts,
0: do they do like background check and stuff, or
2: or somebody in the lodge knows something about you? Yeah, you know because they don't know who submitted that black ball into the ballot box it's all you know blind ballot so Mm. all they know is somebody in the lodge said that they they knew something about your character and they didn't agree with you joining the lodge
1: or maybe they were interviewing with the wife and uh, you know they could pick up on some red flags that you know maybe there was some Abuse or something like that, or they could tell the way that they treated their spouse or the way that they talked to them, and they're just like, you know, I don't think this guy's a good fit. Maybe something like that too.
2: Yeah, that could be the case too. Usually, when the investigate when the committee comes back and they find something like that, they will let the lodge know, and then they, you know, it's it's taken care of. But yeah, if somebody in the lodge knows something about you, they could. They can just not like you and just blackball you, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and and you can never go out again in that lodge. I mean, you can never apply again in that lodge, well, you or can't it's just
2: station that lodge. Interesting. So... Well,
1: there's plenty of other lodges though. I'm sure. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's so interesting. You know, I feel like whenever I drive around town, if or these small towns in North Carolina, South Carolina, you know, on the way to the beach. I'm like, you know, you always see a small nondescript building with no windows. Like, oh, that's the, that's the lodge, <laughs> you know. It's uh, yeah,
2: masonry built much of this country. Typically,
0: know? typically they're really old buildings. Yeah, not that then they're not run down, but you know, there's there's one f- like three minutes from our house growing up in in uh, the town of Matthews there and. And I remember going there a couple times with grandpa. He would just, we drive by, and he'd say, oh, let's stop in or whatever. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess from the ones that I remember seeing and, and never, they're, they're kind of older, older buildings. I don't know if they're, if they're continuing to build more or if it's just a kind of who
1: owns the real estate to that? Is like, is each lodge its the, own entity or is it
0: like
2: each, each lodge owns, owns it. Huh. Um, and there's different, contractual agreements and things that lodges have but uh yeah so as a member of the lodge the the old country lodge i was raised in uh was in the middle of nowhere in this little bitty town didn't i mean the only thing left there really was a post office there wasn't a stoplight nothing the lodge was about the only little brick building that was left in the town that was operable
0: (laughs) (laughs) that that was the lodge you wear overalls too (laughs) <laughs> huh? that you wear your overalls uh, to and your flannel
2: yeah that's exactly right yeah <laughs> yeah yep. um and the lodge that was down the road from it in the next town over it was a, a wood frame building that had been there since the uh, early 1900s so yeah they're they come in all shapes and sizes so i i assume
1: with the different lodges you know different real estate. Some lodges are nicer than others. Some are bigger, smaller. Uh, Is there like a standard fee structure or like membership dues uh, that you mentioned earlier? So so
2: each grand lodge or each state grand lodge uh, has a fee and then each lodge has their own fee. So they'll add those two together and that will be your annual dues. Um, These, Smaller lodges usually have less a fee than the larger lodges. Um, so, I mean, I think I pay around $35 a year, but then there's some lodges you'll pay over 100 Yeah. Oh, so. well,
1: that's nothing, really. I mean, over a year's time, you'll spend more on Netflix right. than you do
0: <laughs> your lodge membership.
2: <laughs> so, Well, yeah, Bryce...
0: This has been a great conversation. I think it's been very enlightening and without getting too, I guess, nitty gritty into what it specifically is, but just to overall just kind of overview of, of what the Masons are and who they are and what they do and some of the, uh, promises and oaths that they take. Um, and how you get in and, yeah. you
1: know, some of the different, uh, what, what different lodges may look like. So this has been a really good overview, uh, of, of how it all works. Uh, one of the things here at the end, we want to ask you about your personal creed, but before we jump into that, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about uh, the Masons or anything we we forgot to cover that uh, you had in mind to share?
2: Um, Just don't, uh, don't take people's word for things, you know, go out and, and do a little, do a little research. But like I say, don't, don't research to know what the secrets are, you know, research to see, um, the good in it. Yeah. What good could come from me being a member of the Freemasons? Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people nowadays, they go into things looking for the bad. If you, if you look for the bad, you're going to find the bad, um, whether it be right or wrong. Yeah. Um, so just, just go into it. Um, Looking for the best things that you can find about it. Um, so yeah, I think there's
0: I think there's imperfect people everywhere, right? I oh, mean, oh, that's right. And and I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some uh, Freemasons that haven't kept their oaths, right? I'm sure there's members of you know churches that haven't kept their promises, and there's members, you know, th- th- there's. Nobody's perfect, right? We're, we're but don't. All imperfect. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that, that, the, the, the few bad apples isn't the, what's going to spoil the, the good or the potential of an organization or a group of people that, that can do good things. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Th-
1: those are great words. I appreciate that last bit at the end there. Um, well, let's jump into this, you know, the question about your personal creed. So we sent you this before, but, you know, the, one of the things we always ask our guests is to share a piece of their personal creed, which is a creed is a a set of beliefs or principles that guide your actions. We talked about how the Masons for you had, has added a lot of those, uh, principles to your personal creed. So we were hoping that you could share with us maybe a quote or some kind of guiding principle that you, uh, go by that, uh, you could share with our audience and us, of course.
2: Yeah, well, um, so I've got a couple things. One is, uh, One of my favorite quotes is by Robert E. Lee, uh, do your duty in all things. And uh, another thing that I've learned through the years is anything in life that is worth something requires the most work and sacrifice. If if it doesn't require a lot from you, then it's usually not worth much. Uh, I look back on my life and the things that I've gone through um you know serving a two-year mission for my church requires a lot of sacrifice but i gain many blessings from it uh going through basic training in officer candidacy school in the army um what officer candidacy school was probably one of the top two hardest things i've ever done in my life well worth it um Benefits that I've reaped from it, you know, that, uh, have been tremendous, um, raising, uh, you know, being married, being married is not easy. <laughs> it is a constant, you know, work, but it's well worth it. Uh, and then raising a family, having children, it's a great sacrifice, you know, we we give up a lot of things to have a family. I've got I know a lot of people that at work that don't have families or maybe just have a spouse, and they go to on vacations all the time, travel the world with all their money, do all these things. But then I look back and I say, How sad of a life is that? You know, what are they gonna have to show for the end of their life? They're gonna be a lonely, miserable person when they have nobody that loves them left, you know? Yeah. So, uh, family to me is, is the most important thing. Being able to, um, raise my sons with the attributes and character that they need to be successful, not only in this life, but to prepare them for the life to come. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the the best advice I can give is look for the things that require the most sacrifice, and those will be the things that will be the most worthwhile.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. I appreciate that. I, you know, having four kids myself, uh, I was just telling Ethan how sometimes it just gets to be, you're just like, oh man, I need a, I need a break or I need a little bit of vacation and and uh, it's definitely a sacrifice, and I can see, you know, that uh, it is definitely a hard thing, and I, I'm, you know, in the thick of it right now, so it's <laughs> it's a struggle for sure, but I agree with what you're saying totally. <laughs> still, still buying diapers.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're almost out of that, hopefully. Hopefully we're almost out of that. <laughs> got the last one potty train Now we're just trying to... Get out of diapers for good. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um,
0: kind of what you said reminded me of something. I don't know if you know uh, Jordan Peterson. He's kind of a professor and and has a lot of clips on social media and stuff like that. Yeah, and,
2: I subscribe to his stuff. On
0: <clears throat> and he yeah. was he was doing an interview with um, with a, a lady who was a, a reporter and very successful, very successful reporter and 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 basically she said something along the lines of, you know, well, I've just chosen not to, I mean, I've chosen my career and I don't want to get married or I don't want to have family. And I think it goes for, for guys and girls. It was not specific, yeah. but it was like, you know, I chose my career over getting married and having family. And he, he said to her, he was like, well, you know, probably financially you've done significantly better than even I have. And, and, and you have built a, an amazing career, but, but, Whenever you, you know, and you have significant amounts of money, but whenever you get to the point to where money is no longer an object for you, you're going to be 50 years old, 60 years old, sitting at home alone or, you know, on a beach somewhere and you're going to be alone and you're going to, you're not going to strive for money anymore because you have it. You're going to, you're going to long for companionship. You're going to long for family. You're going to be, you're going to long for, for love. And that is a legacy that if you bypass it, then it will bypass you. And, and it's, it's hard to, to get that back.
2: Yeah. There's seasons in our life. And once you pass that season in your life, there's no going back to recapture it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's great. Even with careers. I mean, there's a, there's kind of a point in your life where either you change course Or you continue doing what you're doing. But once you get past a certain point, changing course is kind of not an option anymore. Yep. So Unless you're on that work until you die program.
0: (laughs) Which that's a bad program to be on.
1: (laughs) You want to get off that program as soon as you can. Uh, Well, working (laughs) until you die is different than just being mentally engaged until you die. Which I think was one of the great things about the Masons is it keeps you... Engage in a good cause. And that's why all these guys continue to stay sharp is because they are continually engaged. So, Oh
2: yeah. Engaging their mind at a level that most people don't. Yeah. You know, most people just veg out and watch TV and don't really engage their, their mind, make it work for them.
0: It's interesting as a, as a kid, I used to be like, I could memorize things like, Crazy. I mean, it was, it came so easy. I could just look at something, I could read it two or three times, and I had it memorized. But now I had to, what did I have to do? I had to do something where I had to memorize something. It was like a Christmas program where I, I was playing Joseph in this Christmas program, and I had to memorize like a paragraph of stuff. And I don't, I, I was like panicking, and I it got halfway through it, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I did only have a week and a half to prepare for it, but I was like, I should have this down. It was so hard. And so it almost was to me, it was like, man, I just want to maybe memorize a scripture every day or something like that. That's going to help me to, I I don't think it's like a muscle, right? It can atrophy, but I think it's something that can come back and it's something that can, that can, uh, can keep you fresh. I mean, grandpa's what, 90 years old and, and, and he's still able to go and participate and, 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 and. I mean, even at this, this point in his life, he has a, a community to interact with and everything else, which uh, I think has, has attributed to his longevity for sure.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's gifted with a a gift, you know, with his memory because he can remember dates and things that I find fascinating uh, yeah. in his life. But uh yeah I think one of the things that's kept him sharp is is um being a part of the freemasons you know he after he retired he started going regular and he got involved and he stayed involved and uh tried to you know always hold a position in the lodge and be active and contribute yeah I think that's a big part of it you know he told me one time after he retired that he was busier when he retired than he was when he was working. <laughs> well, he didn't have any kids the,
0: either to, to be dealing with. Yeah.
2: Well, but all the the people that, you know, one thing I can say about our grandfather, Oh, uh, he's always serving somebody. Uh, I remember going to stand in on, the, I'd go two or three weeks to stay with him in the summers. And we were always going somewhere to help somebody do some project for somebody, you know, um, he always had something going on where he was trying to help people. So... Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that's kept him young. Definitely. And he always got... up. So one thing I noticed about Grandpa, too, so this is... It looks like we're running out of time, but this is the last thing. So one thing I noticed about him that sets him apart from a lot of other people that are his world that are, have retired, he gets up every morning and gets dressed and prepares for the day. And I think that has kept him young because people that uh, don't go to bed on time and night, they get up late, they sleep in, they don't get dressed, they just kind of linger around the house, they tend to just waste away. Yeah, wake up with
1: purpose. And, yeah, uh, even yeah. if
2: he didn't have anything going on that day, he gets up and he gets dressed. Yeah, and he prepares for something comes along. He is ready.
0: I think that's I think that's good advice, even just for you know I, I work from home full time, and yeah. you know there's sometimes it's just you kind of roll out of bed and log go on. you know log on and go right to work, or you know luckily I have kids that I got to get on the bus and stuff like that, so I'm up earlier. But uh, yeah, it's it's easy to fall into that just kind of staying up till two or three o'clock in the morning. And then just going to sleep until two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And I think that will yeah. do a number on your health and just, not only not even your physical health, your mental health as well. Cause you just feel useless, which yeah. is just yeah. really hard. Well, Bryce, we appreciate your
1: time today. You know, we, we want to be respectful of your time and uh, you know, for our listeners out there, thanks for listening in. And uh, you know, if you're, interested in the Masons, then uh, hopefully the conversation with Bryce uh, has perked your ears up to maybe go research a little bit more about them. So uh, Let's build that creed together. All right, let's do it. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.